Today's podcast is also brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment, including books, magazines, newspapers, and podcasts. Audible has over 35,000 titles to choose from to be downloaded and played back anywhere, just like Pottercast. Log on to Audible.com slash Pottercast to get a free audiobook download when you sign up today. Again, it's Audible.com slash Pottercast for your free audiobook. Welcome, welcome to another... The official podcast of the Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go. You're wasting time. Welcome to Pottercast, your number one audio source for Harry Potter news, theories, discussion, as well as info straight from the makers of the books and films themselves, like me, Matt Lewis. I play Neville Longbottom in the Harry Potter films, and I'm very happy to be here helping introduce your hosts, the Pottercast trio, Melissa, John, and Sue. Sort of live from Santa Fe. Welcome to Pottercast 93. Wee! So! Wee! I'm right. I'm actually touching. I'm actually touching the legs right now of John and Sue. I'm touching them. They're here. That's it, not my leg. That is, <laughs> oh, it totally was his leg. That was my arm. Anyway, welcome to Pottercast 93. We are we are in Santa Fe, New Mexico, not in front of a live crowd like you'll hear on the rest of our live podcast. We are just hanging out for one day before our the first big show of our tour with Harry and the Potters, which is tomorrow in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and we'll be out shortly after you hear this podcast. But we have some new things to say from certain friends at a certain bookstore. Today's podcast is brought to you by Borders. In May, thousands of Harry Potter fans descended upon New Orleans for the Phoenix Rising Conference. Borders and your friendly podcast hosts were there to take in the sights and share a lively discussion of the series that bewitched the world. Listen in and watch action yourself. Check out the Phoenix Rising Borders Book Club discussion at bordersmedia.com slash Harry Potter or click the Borders banner at the top of the Pottercast page. Um, yeah, we were, we were all a part of that and, and it was great. I loved the conversation. It was, it was very fun conversation. The only problem was I had a Ravenclaw banner behind me, which was grossly inappropriate. Yes. And they wouldn't change it. I asked them a hundred times, but sadly, in a, oh well. It kind of threw me off my game, but I think it turned out okay. Well, I was blazed. I had my robe on and a Hufflepuff banner. I know. Life was good. Life was good. Much love to Sue. Yeah. I had the face of somebody who hadn't slept in three days, which is accurate. <laughs> yes, it's so, um, Aww. No, it's totally true. Uh, anyway, we have a very special live edition of Sue's News coming right at you right uh, now. Yes. We have lots of news. The big news is the door was open. Oh! But now it's closed. Did you take your wombat? It's I actually did mail. take it this time. Ooh, you see that was right at the cuff. That was very great. Anyway, did we did did we take this is the my, wombat? This is my first ever wombat I took actually, and I did miserable. Actually, no. If you didn't do the first two wombats, and I think you had a chance to take them again, because it was like in three parts, wasn't it? Or no? Once once the door closed, you were done. But like, why did I have? Th- was this latest wombat a three part wombat? It was no. Well, yeah, there were sections to the wombat. Yeah. Oh. You know, there was the first part about... I thought that was like wombat one or something. Like no. you had a chance to take all of them. I'm stupid. No, there were there were three different wombats, but there was there was this this last wombat, I think, like the other ones, had sections to it. Holy yeah. moly. Yeah. Well, the thing with the wombats that we wonder now is now that there have been three, is that it? Three is done, right? Three is it. Mm-hmm. What what has this all meant? What do you guys think? Well, of course it means that the people who have taken the time to take the wombats are, wombats are eligible to go to one of the four 
um, live Job book readings as she tours the United States. Yes, in October of 2007, Armist Joe is coming here to the United States, and it's for she's having a raffle. Though um, I think the contest will be it's not open yet, but it'll July thirtieth on Scholastic.com. You'll be able to, to um, enter for school children. Will be able to go uh, except for the one in New York City. I think of like that Carnegie Hall. I know. Uh-huh. I know. Like the site of like great performances. And there's hey, Arm Joe. Just before we get any emails, <laughs> just a disclaim. Pretty much. Just a disclaim before we get email. We don't know that that's what the Wombat tests mean, because John said it very seriously, and people yeah. will think yeah. that. We have no idea what the Wombat tests really yes. will amount to. Well, I think it's a very good chance. All of you people who never had a Wombat, I guess you're out of luck of ever seeing Joe, so it's, I feel very <laughs> sad for you. That don't would, listen to him. That would be an awesome thing, John, but I don't know. I kind of thought the Wombats, she would give us like an excerpt from no, the it's, book. Yeah, it's, a know. passage from the book yeah. about Rufus Scrimjaw again. That'd be really cool if like, it was about Scrimjaw again. Like if you had a Wombat key... You know? Yeah. yeah, the thing with Scrimjar, we thought he was going to be so important. Yeah, he was important, but... Yeah. Scrimjar. Well, we know he's an Animagus lion, though. That's pretty cool. We don't know that. That we do. Didn't we? It was an FAQ on JackKRolling.com. No. no. You didn't see it? No. <laughs> no? No. It's a John Vision. John Vision. It's a dream of mine, oh, I guess. <laughs> anyway, Joe is coming to the United States to tour... That's amazing. We, we've, we've talked about this yes, on podcast we before. We've said that, yeah. that we thought and hoped that she would do something in, in yes. more than one place for this book. I think it's really particularly great because one of the places in, is New Orleans where we just were, and I can't think of a better place for Joe to say, look, you know, I know that hopefully it will be good for the city. The city. But, mm-hmm. I mean, here's for school children, though, I mean, here, you, you know, they lost a lot. A lot of the libraries lost a lot of their copies of the Harry Potter books, as well as many other books, obviously. But I just thought that was really cool. You know, it's funny. We were talking about this another another time. I can't remember if it was on podcast or off. Mm-hmm. But we were saying, like, if she did a tour in, in the U.S., where could she possibly go? Because she's so big. She's right. bigger than any act, you know? Yeah, pretty much. So she <laughs> would have to go. We said, oh, you go to New York or you go to L.A., and that's right. it. Yeah. And now we've got New Orleans. But I'm sort of surprised she didn't go to Chicago. You know, because she did. I thought she might go back to that bookstore. The, oh, the never. You know, uh. you know, <laughs> Could you imagine? That uh. would be wild, though. I mean, because I think she really, I mean, I think I remember actually reading about that visit. You know, I mean, that was pretty phenomenal that she, this, this author came to that store. Well, no, back then it was it was 99. She was a big author, but it wasn't like, you know. Yeah, huge the, thing like that. Right. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like now. Though we will be there for the release of the book. It, it, yes. it is the biggest Harry Potter report party ever reported over by times four. Um, I don't know if there are bigger ones, but I think think it's safe to say that 50 to 60,000 people is a pretty large party. We're going to be having a huge Potter cast. Um, We'll be on the stage right before midnight to do some events with the audience, be part of the countdown. Spoil the book. Spoil the book. No. Eh, wrong. Eh, eh. Got to do the live spoiler warning. You know what? I think it's so fun. This Snape is... kills Professor Sprout. No. You know what? These parties, because we have on our really... <laughs> he does not. Do you hear me hit him? You know, I'm ignoring the whole bashing. I've been good so far, even though I've been here just one day with John. I've been ignoring the bashing on the Hufflepuff. Oh. I'm just no, saying. she hasn't. Well, okay. I'm sorry. Impartial party over here. Well, not too <laughs> she hasn't much. ignored a thing. Not too much. Okay. But this one thing, you know how like an... an I think it was in Goblet of Fire, but you know when they have gatherings of witches and wizards, they always had like an invisibility or like, you know, a Grimmauld place to make it uh, unplottable? You can find Naperville. You can find it on PotterParties.com. Ooh, it is on PotterParties.com, yeah, isn't it? we up that entry a little bit. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Sorry, shameless. We part. have a lot to do. Anyway, we will see you there, we hope. We'll see at least 50,000 of you there, mm-hmm. which at is least. great. At least, probably double. Probably double. <laughs> 
they they'll bring a friend. And so <laughs> Professor Sprout is not dying. Professor Sprout's getting whacked no, off not. in chapter five. All right, well, I'm leaving because we have a very, very special rest of the show. Ooh. We have a can of conundrums that we did live at the unofficial Disneyland Day, which was last Friday in Woo. Los Angeles. Uh, we also have a special interview with our friend Alex Carpenter, who is the Remus Lupins, who has a brand new record. He also gives us a special cut off that record to play on the show. Oh. And then the next time you hear from us after the wrap-up will be live from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Whoa! And keep your eyes on Pottercast.com for all of our blogs and vlogs with videos, including stuff from Disneyland Day and Chicago that will be up probably by the time you hear this. We've had many, many text blogs, a couple of video blogs by now. Um, lots of pictures, and also soon you will be hearing the results of the Ultimate Wiffle Ball sh- Smackdown. Oh, no. Challenge issued to us by the Elder Harry of Harry and the Potters. We really can't turn away a challenge like that, but the problem is that we are, we're, we're not athletic. Not at all. Hey, I don't know. I'm going to do pretty good. This is John, this, John says this. John who says, now, Wiffle Ball, is that like baseball or football or like tennis? Uh, you can, there's Wiffle versions of all sports. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, we're doomed. Yeah, I we're like, a little doomed. I like Wiffle Pool. Wiffle Pool is kind of difficult, <laughs> though, because the balls don't go very fast. Well, we've been trash-talking each other yeah. for, for a day now. I get a message saying that Pottercast is going down! And I tease half-heartedly back, knowing the truth. Yeah. <laughs> we'll try. We'll give it that Hufflepuff try. I'm not really going to try. Yeah, okay. you are. Ah. Well, go listen to the rest of the show, and we'll be back to... I want a corn dog. We're going to go have some good Mexican food, and no, no Chipotle. Chipotle. Hey! That's what you think. No. <laughs> There's seen, no Chipotle in like New Mexico. I've seen, like, three of them already. No, you've yeah. seen three Taco Bells, which is amazing. Wrong. There are no Chipotles in New Mexico, but there are uh, a ton of Taco Bells. Ch- ch- it's wrong. The, it's how it's having the Olive Garden Chipotle in Sicily. Chipotle goes by the uh, flying tortilla name <laughs> out here, so that's you think it's a tortilla place, but it's a Chipotle. There was like some right, kind we'll of game dispute. Alright, we'll see you later. Alright, bye. Now it's time for Canon Conundrums. Listen in as our panel tries to figure out one specific issue from the Harry Potter canon. Who could possibly figure that out? It's time for Canon Conundrums at Disneyland. Canon Conundrums at Disneyland. Hey, for Canon Conundrums. Very good. What are we talking about for Canon Conundrums? With nothing, because we have a group of awesome Harry Potter fans here. What are we, like 35 people or something sitting here? Looks like 3,500, yeah, at least. And they all have their ideas and their theories and their things that they want to talk about as we are about 30 days from from book seven. So we're just going to pass this microphone around, and you guys are going to do it. Awesome. Say your name, say where you're from, say what your theory is, and we'll all shoot it down. Starting with the most knowledgeable Potter fan here... Oh, sh- Me? <laughs> what is your oh. name and where are you from? I am Adam Bromberg from Vegas. Yeah, what's your biggest thing you're looking to find out in book seven? No idea. No idea? You gotta give me a couple minutes to think about this. Oh, okay, okay. Adam needs more time. Okay. How about you? What's your name? Where I'm you Danny. I'm from Texas, and I want to know about the Scar Crux theory. The Scar Crux theory. Harry's Scar, scar is a Horcrux. <laughs> How many of you guys think that Harry Scar is a Horcrux? You have to, you have to cheer so people can hear you here. 
Yeah. They had about you know, eight or nine heads. Harry is a horcrux. Same thing. Hmm. Not not much applause there. So if Harry's scar is a horcrux, then the scar could be destroyed and Harry could be all good. Yeah, Harry is not a horcrux. Not my, yeah, Harry, not a horcrux, according to the crowd here at Disneyland. How about uh, we push along here? We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Hey, you want to say hello? Hi. What's your <laughs> What's your name? Who are you? Where are you from? Um, I'm Matt. I work for MuggleCast, and my name is. Who cool. are you? Like a like a transcript person? Kind of, yeah. Awesome. We have transcript people, too. You do? You don't no, know you, anything No, about? you call them elves. Yeah, we call them elves. No. Do you have a question about uh, Deathly Hollows you're looking to get resolved in the book? Yeah. What's that? <laughs> uh, give me a minute. Oh, you just stumped. You stumped them. You stumped the transcription people. Let's talk to you over here. What's your name? Where are you from? Anna Key from Azusa, California. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. And what do you want to find out in Deathly Hallows? Well, if Harry's one skill is being able to fly a broomstick, yeah. how does that factor into the final battle? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Will a broom factor into the final battle? He's got good coordination. Anybody? Yes. Jousting with... We've seen Harry flying on a dragon in the new cover. Will there be any flying on brooms? It'll be... Can Voldemort fly on a broom? I think he can fly. Like, <laughs> Voldemort can hover? Voldemort can hover. He's like... Uh, He's like... Uh, like Magneto. Exactly. That would be pretty darn cool. You know, we've only really seen bloom, uh, brooms in action in Quidditch and with uh, the Order, so maybe we could see them like a, in a battle. <laughs> the Firebolt is the Horcrux. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Let's push on back here to Mr. Quinn. Are you a Quinn? Hey, I'm Quinn from Glendale, California. Awesome. I have two theories that I would like to bring up. The first one is regarding Hagrid. Um, okay. This is, this, is, this is a very hot button issue. This is a very hot button issue right now. I would just personally like you all to take a moment and think about how Hagrid was able to get a job at Hogwarts after opening, quote-unquote, the Chamber of Secrets. Now, granted, we know that Hagrid did not open the Chamber of Secrets, I'm just, but that's dramatic irony. The entire public does not know that Hagrid did not open the Chamber of Secrets. This guy is, like, the most dangerous person that Hogwarts has ever had, the theoretically, uh, to right, everybody okay. else's knowledge. Okay. Why, how, how could anybody let a guy like that work at Hogwarts? Mm. Okay. So, How could Karkaroff be in charge of the Durmstrang school as, you know, somebody who was on trial as a Death Theater and it was vouched for? Because Durmstrang, Durmstrang likes bad, Durmstrang likes bad people. They love the yeah, Dark Arts. Yeah, well, Snape's working they there, too. They teach the Dark Arts. They teach the Dark Arts at Durmstrang. just pull the mic away from no, okay. Quinn's doing good. Okay. Um, like a November first release date. You know, hey, that that would have been great, Joe. If you would have heard that, you probably would have gone for that. Um, anyway, and the second one. Number two. The second one that I, I would like to bring up, just as a possibility, um, when Ron dies in book seven, maybe Neville would end up with Hermione. 
as the, the possible ending for Neville. Oh, no, that's not happening. Hermione interested in Neville? I don't know. Hermione and Neville. I think that they have a little thing going on. That Neville is going That's all. I do have a, I have a mm. that does have some interesting thoughts up. What do you got? Anarchy again. Um, Talani <laughs> is killed off by Voldemort to get the prophecy in book seven. Hmm. Killed off to get the prophecy. How, what do you mean? How would he get the prophecy? Well, he, he rips it from her mind. Okay. He's going to get rid of Talani. Hmm. Wait, there's a good one. What's that? No, 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 you just made me think of something. Like, like <laughs> wait a second. If if uh, Trelawney doesn't remember actually giving the prophecy, does she have the memory, like, to put yes, into, like, does. a pensieve? Like, like how's Voldemort that work? Do, does the memory still in there? He ripped it out of, he ripped it out of people with legitimates. They were able to get memories that were blocked out by other memories with the memory charms. But do, That's do what we Dumbledore. know that it's a memory, though? Like, she just stated it. How do we know it's in her memory anywhere? Even hiding from her could, could it be part of the reason that Dumbledore wanted to protect her? He wants to protect school? her for a reason. Dumbledore wants to protect her for a reason. Protecting her or the information she has? The information she has because they're ha- Dumb- you know, Dumbledore could get information out of people who were memories were erased, maybe basically. Dumbledore was protecting her because nobody else knew that she no longer had the memory. They thought she still had it. Wait, I have an important... Who are you? Hi, my name's Alex from Hogsmeade. But what? What? It doesn't matter if there if he gets a prophecy or not. He wants to kill Harry. Like this it is very matter. true. It's, it's not like, going to make him want to kill him anymore. The only thing that we learn from the prophecy is that Harry is, or you know, only one one is going to survive, right? But he still wants it. Well, but so, but it's totally irrelevant. It's like he might also put on black socks, but it doesn't matter the story. That's very he thinks true. He can just easily kill Harry then. He like, the prophecy he's... proves that Harry can get rid of him. Am I supposed to repeat that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the prophecy proves that Harry can get rid of him. He thinks he can just kill Harry, hands down, without even a problem. He thinks it's a dumb kid that he can this just is, kill This him. is true. That, that's about it. That's Harry, about it. it is your choices. <laughs> he has a choice to kill Voldemort or not. So, it, it's true. his choices in the end. It, it's, the prophecy really is irrelevant, because we know he's coming after him. Harry's going to have to kill him. That's the end. The prophecy could make him want to come after Neville Longbottom, though. Yeah! You know? So there, that could Kill be a problem. Kill Neville off so that way he can't end up with Hermione. <laughs> there, there was actually a really interesting part in the book that I had just read uh, last night about uh, what Harry says about the prophecy, the difference that it makes. He says that it makes the difference between being dragged into an arena to face a fight to the death versus walking into the arena with your head held high. Arena, what's on the cover of Book 7, U.S. edition? Mm. Mmm, lots of hmms in the crowd. In the veil room, is that where the serena is? Let's ask these people over here. Who would like to say hello? I, I guess I will. Hi, I'm Lisa from La Puente, California. And going off of what they were talking about, I have a theory and I'm going to throw it out there. I haven't done all of my homework yet, but I want to throw it out there for anybody who wants to, who cares. I think that possibly Ginny Weasley is an animagus. Ginny the Animagus. Yeah, I think she's a cat. I think she could transform into a cat. It took the Marauders the best, uh, the better of three years to get it right. She's already past that. She's a clever witch, and not only that, but Joe has a tendency to always describe her in a cat-like form. Like she was curled up like a cat. She made a noise like a cat. Things of that nature. I think somewhere along the line, whether it be Harry saying, you can't come with me, I don't want you there, and she, her her hair is like a mane, see, yeah. things like that, but, you know, maybe she'll decide, I'm going to turn into a cat, follow Harry around, and if she ever need, if he needs me, I'm there to help him out. So I think she may be a cat. I don't know how anybody else feels about that. What do you guys think? Is Ginny Weasley an animagus cat? 
because of all the descriptions we've had of Ginny Weasley as a yeah. Except for like bark, uh, laugh like a bark, laugh like a bark. That, that's true too. But he's he's an aura. I mean, we don't really know the ins and outs of him. I mean, seriously, we don't know him that much of uh, that well as a character. So I think it's highly possible for Ginny to be a cat. I mean, the only other people that's described an animal like char yeah. characteristics is like Sirius, and then we had Wormtail, sure. and then even Lupin. Slughorn was described as a walrus, though. So. Slughorn was described as a walrus. And most of it is because of his walrus-like mustache, which is, that's what they just call a walrus-like mustache, period. So in that defense, I think, yeah, Ginny is animal. So we'll see if Ginny is an animagus cat. I don't know what that will do in the story, or... What? She could follow Harry as a cat. Harry could pick up a new pet cat or something along the way for the Horcruxes. I don't know. Yeah, so... Let's walk along over here. Through you, the crowd. How about you right here? What's your name? Zach from Bakersfield, California. Cool. Yeah. You got any Deathly Hallows questions? Um, not really. <laughs> I don't know. Um, give me a, give me something. Put over here. No, put over here. Um, no comment because I'm gonna wait for the book to come out and all my questions will be answered. Oh, okay. All questions shall be answered. How about over here? Anybody have any questions? No, I'm good. We're good? Oh. <laughs> Nobody? Everybody's all tuckered out here from the sun. Let's fall back over here. It wasn't a question. I'm Kelsey from Lodi, California, and I want to know in what three ways did both Harry's parents and Neville's parents defy Voldemort? Oh, it's excellent. Three different battles or something in which makes the makes the prophecy real and genuine. Well, he didn't do it the fourth time. Hey guys, what do you think if we got to find out all three ways that Harry's parents and Neville's parents defied Voldemort? Are we going to learn that much history about these folks? Are we going to figure out why they were so rich? Yeah. I want to learn the ten uses of dragon's blood. The ten usage of dragon's blood. She said we would learn that. Yeah, she said we would. But she lies. No. Joe, hear me. Ten uses of dragon's blood. I want to know. Nicholas Flamel, how Dumbledore defeated the dark wizard Grindelwald. I think the dark Grindel, the dark wizard Grindelwald, was who taught Voldemort for a while while he was exploring, and also another reason why he, Voldemort is frightened of Dumbledore, mm. or was. Interesting. Always two there are, master and his if apprentice. apprentice. <laughs> if you check the years on the Grindelwald card, yeah. it correlates pretty nicely to that. That's very, very true. Very true. More, I know my more about Grindelwald, maybe. What do you guys think about Grindelwald? Smelly. Smelly guy. <laughs> Smelly guy. I don't know if we'll learn any more about Grindelwald or not. Do we care? Do we even care? Do we need to care? I don't know how much of these things that... It's down to Harry and it's down to Voldemort. It's down to... Oh, down to Snape. I mean, come on. You don't care about Snape? It's not It's not even an issue. 
Uh, Snape is not an issue. If somebody, listen, if we'd all been talking about Snape for the last two years, concerned about if he's good or bad, it would be an issue. But obviously, no one really has given it any thought, so it yeah, must not be true. important. No one's really time. had any debates about yes. Snape. That'd be ridiculous. Okay, so it's down to the three of them. Okay, and, down to the three of them. <laughs> but other than that, we don't need to know about all this other stuff, I don't think. Well, it's a matter of how much are we curious about and how much do we need to know for a good story. And the amount of things that apparently Joe has promised to resolve are yes. astronomical, so I really don't think that we're going to get all the answers to Yes, this is true. There'll be an answer in every other page. It'll be a long book. The entire book is just epilogue. Maybe, maybe the story will take 200 pages. That would be awesome. What's that? Okay. We're going to do one liver die here, everybody. A set of liver dies. Let's start with Mr. Neville Longbottom. Shall he live or will he die? A lot for Neville dying. This is very sad. Ginny Weasley, live. Ginny yeah. Weasley, die. Yeah. Too hot to die. <laughs> sad. Not the actress, though, the character in the book. Oh, One double burn. <laughs> Percy Weasley, live. No. Percy Weasley, die. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh. Molly Weasley? Molly Weasley, live. Molly Weasley die? She's gonna die. She's not gonna die. No one has any opinion. reason to step up and become a man. When his mom, mom dies, dies. everyone in the reason to Plenty of people become men before their mom dies. When she dies. Oh my gosh. You got one? I I want to know. Obviously, Harry. Come on. Harry Potter live. Harry Potter live. Yeah. Harry Potter die. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. Tough crowd. <laughs> Last one. Severus Snape. Live. Severus Snape dead. Oh gosh. Alright guys, one last one. One last one? Remus Lupin. Remus Lupin live. Die? One very enthusiastic die. Yikes. Okay. Well, that's it for the... What, what episode are we on? 93? 94? That's it for this this edition of Disneyland Pottercast before the cast members kick us out. the strangest place from which we've ever podcasted. I'm here at Disneyland at the unofficial Harry Potter Disney Day. Live. Live. And we are waiting to get on Star Tours. I'm here with Alex Carpenter, the Remus Lupins, and he has a new album, and we're going to start talking about it, but you guys, we're going to continue as we go on this ride, because we can't stop. Well, we decided that it would be boring to do a normal interview, and since we're at Disneyland, we originally had planned to do it on the Indiana Jones ride, but we arrived and found out it was broken down, so we thought we'd go on we'd go on Space Mountain, which was also broken down, and we have now arrived at Star Tours, where C-3PO is telling us all about what he thinks about Harry. C-3PO apparently thinks Harry's going to die, because he's, he's a negative Nancy, but... Uh, 
we can, you know, we can discuss with R2 and see what he thinks. Alex Carpenter has a new album. It is called I Was a Teenage Werewolf. Tell me again where the title comes from. It's actually a 1957 cult uh, film starring Michael Landon about this teenager who turns into a werewolf. And uh, the new album is a lot more about Remus. The first album was a lot about all of the characters, and I sang um, the songs from a number of different perspectives, but on this one, the majority of the record is about Remus, so I thought it was only appropriate that we talk about Remus and his status as a teenage werewolf. What did, what did you discover about Remus's status as a teenage werewolf as you wrote these songs? Um, the, I, I'm very interested in the Marauders era, and um, I really jumped on the, the chance of uh, writing songs about that because nobody else has really done very much of that, I think. And um, I was really excited to to do that. I, I don't know. I, I sort of touched on it with this song that I wrote a while ago called "Alone on Valentine's Day," just tapping into the sort of loneliness that Remus must feel being an outcast wherever he goes, and his friends being killed when you know he was barely out of school. Um, and then, you know, just like sort of lovelorn werewolf kind of thing I thought it was fun to tap into. And uh, also just the, the, the title track kind of talks about how badass the Marauders are and how awesome it was to be one of that, you know, part of that group. Can you give us some of the lyrics? <laughs> <laughs> well, the second verse goes, At Hogwarts you know we ruled the school and you know you can never be as cool as you are with Marauders at your side because we're standing tall and smiling wide. Very nice. So here we are about to go on a Star Wars ride. Did you? What are the similarities, in your expert opinion, between the Marauders and the trio in the Star Wars movie? Or the batch of good guys? I would say that, as usual, Remus is the girl, because Remus would be Hermione in, in our trio, and he would be Leia, probably, <laughs> in this group. Actually, Remus would probably be Luke, because he's a little whiny girl, and Luke's more of a whiny girl than Leia is. But uh, Sirius is obviously Han. And uh, then you got James filling in whoever the last one is. And Wormtail would probably be C-3PO, just because continuing the anti-C-3PO feeling of this interview. And we do have a Jar Jar. Who would Dobby. that be? Dobby. <laughs> Dobby. Dobby is, is Smeagol and Jar Jar all. <laughs> Smeagol all rolled into Don't one. Do that again. Smeagol. I know it's bad. It's a bad one. That was good. I can do this pretty good, usually. Oh, wait. Okay, we're approaching the ride. All right, we're getting on the ride now. We Eight, have... Ten? Three, three. That's not us. That's not us. So how has your music changed since the first album? Uh, I think it's changed a good deal. In that the first album was primarily acoustic, and this one, almost all the tracks have a full band backing the songs up. Uh, the, the feel's a lot different in, it, in that it's a lot more rocking. Um, there are a couple tracks that are like straight-up dance tracks on it, which is something that wasn't really available to me playing just acoustic guitar last time. Um, I think that people who liked the first album will respond even better to this album because all the stuff that I liked the most about the first album, I, I feel like I've honed and um, put more of on the second album. The stuff that I didn't like playing, I didn't write into the new stuff. So, what, what do you mean stuff that you didn't like playing? Like what was some of that? Like stuff? I really enjoy playing songs like um, "Loosen Your Tie" and "Looking for Trouble," songs that are really high energy and fun. And um, I tried to make this album, you know, with a full band, it's a lot easier to make stuff higher energy. But I also tried to make the songs themselves more fun, the lyrics um, more fun and more, you know, easier to connect to um, than the first album. There's definitely some emotional stuff to it, because what I was trying to do with not only tapping into the Marauders era, was, but to connect it to where Remus is now. So there's a whole lot of stuff about... Um, the Marauders era as well as 
stuff about <laughs> no, it's amazing about walking. Um, stuff about the Marauders era, as well as stuff about where we were sort of left at the end of the sixth book. There's a lot of uh, perseverance, a lot of themes of perseverance and, and love and friendship and togetherness, and what Harry and you know the other good guys are going to need to survive and, and win this coming battle. Um, I just felt like this summer is a lot about that. Like all of us had this sort of anxiety, and when I was writing these songs, um, I had a lot of that in my mind. Just what was going on in my personal life, also that I felt like we all, I don't know, in, in the world as well, that we all need kind of songs to sing about things are going to be okay if we stick together. And that's, I think, a lot of what uh, what Remus provides in the series is he's he's a stable a stable force there that people can look to for support. I try to do that with the songs also. Speaking of sticking to ch- together, we're trying to get on the ride together. I think we're in four, two. We're in number two. We're not getting on Star Tours. We're trying to. We're trying to stick together to get on Star Tours. Um, when we spoke last, you had barely played any live shows at that point. Yeah. You were doing the live Leaky Mug. You were... Oh, oh, sorry. I just hit somebody. I apologize. <laughs> you were in your I was you gesturing. Was you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was hard not to molest. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm just trying to... <laughs> Okay, we're trying. They're like they're angry. We're trying. The, the railing police is also. Whoa! Watch out! Off the railings. Okay, so you had hardly played any live shows. You were going to do the Leaky Mug. It was a big deal. Now you've played even bigger shows on that, and you know all that kind of thing. So how how is your experience of being in your band, you know, touring the whole lifestyle, changed? the way your new music is? Um, I think it's changed a lot. Like like I was saying earlier, the the new record represents a lot of honing, I think. And it's... Playing so many live shows, I've been able to find out what, pe- what the fans really respond to, and that's something I didn't have the advantage of when I wrote the first album. I had not played any of the songs on the first record. Spells were broken one. Whoa. It's very loud. Stand near the entrance doors. Please remain behind the yellow line until the doors are completely Should we answer this one more on the ride? Yeah. Just cut it and say that. Yeah. Yeah. We're about to start Star Tours here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Star Tours. So what, where are we? Um, we're talking about how you change as a performer since. Oh yeah, that you, you you know you find out what people respond to and then. Uh, <laughs> I'm <gonna play> the <laughs> you know, when I didn't play any of this, the other songs live before I uh, recorded them, so I had the advantage of playing these songs, sort of honing them on the road and seeing what people respond, see what I liked playing, what I thought was the best for the song to, uh, to put in the final cut of it, which is cool. It's always nice to work on songs. Some of the songs on this second album were written before the first album. I've just been kind of working on them and changing them. Um, Final Breath is a really old song about Sirius giving up, basically, before Harry saves him in um, the third book. And uh, Maybe Tomorrow was on the first thing I ever released. It was a really horrible version of it, so I I was really glad. (laughs) I was really glad, so... We can't do this in here. (laughs) It was horrible. Um, I was glad to have the chance to... So, you know, put out a new version of it that people can really hook into. I think it's a lot better than the original one. So what haven't we talked about about your new endeavors? What's, what's going on this summer? This summer, um, I'm heading out on a two-month tour with a full band, which is something I didn't get to do um, last summer. And it's going to be a, a serious, awesome rock show. I'm playing at libraries and teen centers and all sorts of crazy places. Um, across the country, and for the second half of tour, I'm being joined by the Whomping Willows, um, 
from Rhode Island who are awesome, or who is awesome, who I suppose. Awesome. Right, this discussion that I could get into trouble just like you do. Um, Matt from the Lumping Willows is, is awesome and he's a good friend, so I'm really happy that we're going to get a couple weeks out on the road together. We're just going to play, you know, one or two awesome rock shows a day until we fall over dead in August. And that's the way we're all handling the summer, right? Basically. Yeah, I don't really don't know how we're going to handle it because that's the stuff after the books, you know, the book comes out and it, it's going to be pretty hard because we're all going to literally just have to lock ourselves down, read it, and then go out on tour like two days later. So, we, it'll be interesting. You're going to deal with like weeping, sobbing, broken fans. I'm not going to because when Remus saves the day at the end of the book, I'm going to be... <laughs> no, uh, yeah, definitely. There's going to be a, a serious cathartic experience, I think, coming to Wizard Rock shows in the second half of the summer. Um, especially with a lot of the new material um, on, on my stuff. It's, there's, a song, there's a song called uh, Beyond the Veil on the new record, which is basically like a, a song in memory of Sirius. And I really, I mean, I, I honestly cannot play the song without getting a little teary. So I can't, I'm not a serious fangirl, so I can't imagine how people who are really, really, really serious fans um, are going to respond to it. But hopefully, it'll be more about the rock and less about the group therapy at the shows. Well, awesome. You can get Alex's new album at myspace.com slash theremuslupin or fightevilreadbooks.com. The Whomping Willows, who are joining him at the second half of the summer, are myspace.com slash thewhompingwillows. We'll put all those links in the show notes and on the site and all that stuff. And Alex, what do you think we should do with the rest of this Disneyland day? <laughs> We're going to go looking for trouble. <laughs> nice. Goodbye. Well, James isn't the only one who loved her. Lily had her share of suitors, too. And when you're falling for your best friend's girl, there really isn't much you can do. So I'm sorry that I'm not a perfect romance Do us a favor and save the last dance So I'm sorry I don't fit your concept of romance Do us a favor and save the last dance for me Glances, we have more in common than they ever did. Both know there's chemistry, and we try to deny it. I wish I kissed you before that Potter kid. I played the good kid, all wrongs manage mischief. A lot of good it did, yet eyes only for him. And I know I should have seen this coming. Your silver bullet tongue is what did my heart in Talk to me.
Well, we are glad to be back, and we're also going to be going to meet some of you right now. Yes, we're having a we random wait. impromptu meetup at Maria's New Mexican Kitchen in Santa Fe. I can't believe 700 of you decided to come out to see us at the, the restaurant. I told Maria, she was all like, yeah, we can handle that. Yeah, but they have fully 500 margaritas. Was it 500 margaritas or is it 50? They have 100 margaritas on the menu. How the hell are you going to drink 100 margaritas? I'm going to try. <laughs> So we don't no. condone hundred margarita <laughs> drinking. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> well. So. <laughs> Remind us to pack the wheelbarrow to get Sue home from the restaurant. Hey man, I need it. They lost my luggage. I'm uh, here with no luggage. United my, loses everybody's United luggage. United lost John and Sue's luggage. It's, Never fly United. It's I've dire. had nothing. I mean, mercifully, I had a Pottercast shirt to te- sleep in, but I've had nothing. I have nothing. It's just horrible. So I need at least ten margaritas. Send, <laughs> at send least you ten. Some pajamas at Steph. <laughs> at Pottercast.com. <laughs> um, that's not where you can send things, is it? It really isn't. No. That was the funny part of but the joke, still. though. Sad. Okay. Sad. So we're going to have a good time. So y'all we're going to go drown our sorrows. And anyway, along beer. the way, really, come out. If we have these things, keep your eyes peeled. Mm-hmm. Please. Seriously, podcast.com slash tour. If you haven't checked it out already, we're going to have so much fun at all these things. Yes. The beer. rest of this month is our Harry and the Potters month. We're on our own in July. And then we'll see you at Prophecy mm-hmm. in August oh, with Mookie Boys. I mean, the what, what, Muggle. Muggle Boys. Sorry. <laughs> They're going to love that. Okay. Aw, how flattering. No. Um, my tooth came off again. I had to glue it back on today. He did. He, I, we saw, I came out and I saw him putting toxic fluids into his mouth. Yeah, this yes. is because he was very smart. And Listen to you, some toxic nachos. fluids, 100 margaritas. Well, <laughs> you know, at least it tastes better going down than like having your lips glued together. I wasn't together. swallowing it. Okay, you know, thanks, bye. I'm just saying. Yuck, yuck. Yuck, yuck. Yuck, yuck, indeed. <laughs> okay, goodbye. <laughs> bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. We're Bree's videoing us right now. Bye. We'll put up this stupid little video on podcast.com. Good. Bye. Um. Bye. W's free. Oh, and about time too. We've missed it. I confess myself disappointed. Now, if you two don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how time flies when one's having fun. <laughs>